Welcome back to another episode of the NES Experience. We hope everyone had a happy 4th of July. So the day after 4th of July, July 5th, Wednesday, you know, NES Experience Day. And Ned, you want to tell us how your life's been going? Uh, sure. Crazy hectic. We are in the swing of things of the summer NES performance groups. 25 to 30 college kids uh, that are in right now. And a lot of good things happening. Guys are getting ready to play football. We got three guys for uh, playing for the Bristol Blues, summer baseball, and they're all killing it. Um, we got some transfer portal uh, moves, so, and that is going to be our one of our topic or our top, main topic for the day. Uh, and then on the home front, we uh, we we're fostering another dog. Her name was Foxy. Uh, terrible name for a dog. And Foxy had a broken leg. She was brought in by this lady that would breed golden doodles. Foxy's a golden doodle. And whatever. She had ten brothers and sisters who all got sold for three grand. And then Foxy broke her leg. And the breeder brought her in. This is probably some HIPAA violation. Uh, But the lady brought her in and basically was like, uh, here's my dog. I don't want to fix her broken leg. Uh, I don't have the money. You know, she did make X amount of dollars from, uh, you know, all the transactions of the other dogs. The moral of the story is we've been fostering, uh, a golden doodle with a broken leg and, uh, it's something else because basically it's like, Hey there puppy, three months old. Yeah. You, you can't move. And the dog's like, what, man? I just want to move. Nope, can't move. So she has to, She had to wear a helmet and basically wasn't allowed to move or run around or do anything for three weeks. And it was a complete disaster. With that being said, that's our new dog. So we have a, a Foxy. It would be a Foxy Simmerline. So first got to scrap that name, Foxy's out, and then why my wife allows the children to name all the animals of the house. We already know when she na- when Lexi named the fish Castle, 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 it probably wasn't a good idea. So uh, Mila opted to name it Poppy, so they've been calling it Poppy. But the problem is for me, because I'm sitting here and I'm like, well, I mean, how come I can't have a, a voice in with the dog I just thought they all just made a decision without me. I'm like, all right, well, that's dumb, because I already got the problem that everybody thinks Sinny's a girl because he he's a little shit, so they just think small dog girl, so I have to defend his testosterone levels and fix that. And in my opinion, the name Poppy more sounds like man dog, boy dog. What do you think? Yeah, is it like Poppy for the dog or Poppy for the fish? No, the fish is dead. Castle, Castle, Castle died after like a month. Daddy Fish is the only one still alive. Getting big too, like four and a half inches, all bored, swimming around like a South Park character in the tank that he probably needs to get out of soon because it's getting too small. Um, But no, Poppy is the dog. Now, what I learned today is that it was apparently named Poppy because of Poppy in the Trolls movie. Never saw the Trolls movie. Kids saw it 40 times. I have ADHD. But I think that one of the troll characters is Poppy. But when I heard Poppy, I think, like, Hispanic Poppy, follow me. 
Yes, Poppy. I do. Right. Um, Big Poppy. Follow me. So for, don't you think people are all going to think this dog is a is a boy? Based off of the name or no? Is this... Yes, absolutely. Because my girlfriend's cousin has a dog also named Poppy who is a boy. Although, because I'm, I'm a great namer of dogs. That's what I do. I name dogs. And... I, I got the name for your dog, right? Foxy was her original name, correct? Yes. Yeah, Lady. Foxy Lady, Jimi Hendrix song. Oh. Lady, Lady and the Tramp. Yeah. And then you could be like, hey, if they haven't seen the Disney movie, boom, you show them Lady and the Tramp. That's how you got a good dog name. That's actually pretty good. Anyway, so I think there might be an open discussion to changing the name, but I don't want to deal with that because I'd rather have a dog get called a boy for, you know, hopefully 17 or 18 years and list my daughter bitch eternally that she doesn't get to whatever because they all figure out shit to bitch about. So, But I'll bring up Lady. That makes sense. They're not going to think it's a... And so this this whatever golden doodle is going to be like fifty pounds, so it's, so now I got the male dog that's ten pounds, and the female. So you already, she already has the size to go along with the poppy. They're going to wonder if she's Mexican. I don't know. Well, did, I I saw this on Instagram, and it was a dog that like knew all of the commands in Spanish. So, like, you know, it, it didn't know set in English, but it knew it in Spanish. So that that was something. Because it does matter, like, the the words that you teach the dog and the language you teach it. Well, so we maybe will, we will not Poppy teach, speaks French. No. Yeah, well, we won't teach Poppy Spanish, because I don't know Spanish anyways. Anyway, so there you go. Dog number two. Uh, I told my parents, I was like, hey, got a new dog. And then, in natural, negative, Simmerline fashion, my mom was like, oh, looks like you could never go on vacation again. And something as simple as saying, mom, they have hotel rooms where you could have dogs. Yeah, yeah, you're just never going to take a vacation again. Never take a vacation anyways. We stay at our house. And the dog can swim. Already been in the pool twice. That's good. So the dog's on the mend. So can the dog move now? Uh, yes. The dog, now it's 100%. No problems. Moving. That's fantastic news. I was, like, almost on the verge of tears at the beginning of the story. Oh, yeah. No, I guess I didn't sound, I don't sound too happy. Very cute dog. Very nice dog. Dog is healthy. I mean, it's just another thing in the house to take care of. So, add it to, put it on the list. That sounds terrible. That means it's like I'm not a... Obviously, if I'm okay with it, it uh, I'm on board with it. But uh, I'm just easy going. I'm a dog lover. But yeah, there's shit running around all over our house. Dante, how was your, uh, your time off lately from the last podcast? Yeah, you know, been enjoying it. Been evolving as a person, as we all strive to do. And this podcast is going to be about the transfer portal... And some of our opinions that have evolved, because I know we've talked about it uh, a few podcasts ago. I don't remember how long. Feels like forever ago. Probably wasn't. But since that podcast has occurred, a few other things have happened in uh, 
the the realm of Ned's life and his athletes' lives regarding the transfer portal and uh, NIL. Um, you know, making money in college uh, athletics has become a, a real possibility now and a reality, and that's awesome for college athletes. So, yeah, that's what we're going to be getting into today. So, Ned, you have a, a few new outlooks on the subject. Do you have a few new reasons why you like it? Yeah, so I used to be in the, because I have athletes that are pro that are still going on right now and recently retired, and when the first transfer portal thing hit, I was kind of with all them, having negative views about it, and like, oh, you're soft, and why don't you just figure it out where you're at, or you're a wannabe, and blah, blah, blah. Um, and then when you start to see how it can benefit, um, and this is in a matter of months, which I'm going to kind of go over, but when you see that it can, you know, how it benefits, it, it's kind of cool to be on the other end of it. So um, one of the reasons why I think it's so good is it can help you if you're put in a bad spot. Now, a bad spot doesn't mean... I want to take my ball because I stink and daddy paid for me to get on this college team and I didn't make the team, so I'll take my ball and leave because I can. But, like, a coaching change, that would be a bad spot because obviously you're recruited when you're recruited under one coach and then that coach leaves. That completely changes, you know, your your end of the deal and what your outcome could be. Um, so now we have a way to get out of that. So or if there's too many players at a position, meaning you're a running back and, you know, they bring in a grad transfer or, you know, somebody else out of the portal. But even before that, you know, I've seen D1 running backs, new coach comes in and they go from a walk-on to the starting running back within five games. Now, if you were that running back, who could have transferred after the coaching change happened without sitting out a year, you can basically, he could have picked where he wanted to go um, and not been put in that situation, uh, which ended up prevented him from making it to the NFL. So, um, you know, coaching personality conflicts is something that always goes up. And this doesn't mean you're just an asshole, uncoachable kid that doesn't like the coach because you've never liked any coaches. I'm not talking about that end. But you, you know, they, because as I said before, this is all recruiting. They come in, they tell you the world, and then what you actually get is something different. And the coaches, coaches get on guys, and then they get off guys. They get on different guys. And they don't always, they're not always on the guys that they should be on. So if that happens to you, and you're a good, hardworking kid who works his ass off, has statistically shown that you've been given, if everything lines up, but you're not getting it because you're on the, you know, the shit end of the stick of the coaching favoritism that comes on, they get guys. I mean, I'm around college coaches all the time. And when they're really on somebody, you get more, more wiggle room. You have a longer leash. And by being able to just get the hell out of there, that's good. So... That's, you know, one thing as I was reflecting back over, you know, what I did before we did this podcast is look back 15, 20 years of athletes in college that were in a situation and they couldn't get out of it because the only option was to take off a year um, 
<clears throat> or go down a level and it just there's a whole bunch of careers that and there there could have been a lot more opportunities if they were able to do that so late developers so that when i go back in 20 years and look at all the guys who didn't um hit their full-blown puberty and complete groin until they were college so they had to go to a lesser school because they said oh you're 5'9 185 and that's not big enough but then they ended up being 6'1 200 whereas if they were that size when they were in high school you know now they can hit the transfer button so playing somewhere at a lower level because you are not physically developed enough um and then you got the everybody wants to be d1 we all know that uh, you have your D2 and your D3 guys that in the old days, if you were D2 or D3, you just became the D2, D3 truther. It's the best thing ever. Fuck D1. I played yada, yada, yada. But you are now able to be D1 and have an opportunity to do that. So uh, this one happened, I believe, last week. So Peter Phillips, he was at Southern Connecticut State University. He was a pitcher there pitched there for four years and because he dominated at that level he dominated during the summers for the past two summers now he's able to go to fairfield and he's always wanted to go d1 when he was in high school he wanted to go d1 but because of a variety of reasons he had to go d2 so that is you know it's allowing and that was seeing one of my kids' dreams you know come true and the same thing tommy hughes he was a pitcher at southern and he just transferred to uri and for him, if he can get his velo up, him being on a bigger stage than Southern makes it easier for him to get looked at by, you know, scouts. So you, now I feel like it can help. You don't have to be like, you don't have to go in to college. It's more motivation to even try and do better in D3 and D2 to be able to hit the transfer and go to D1. So, I mean, that to me, so seeing that happen for those guys, that had me start thinking, um, you know, maybe this is, this is, there are good things to it, but, um, and then what we were talking about before we did the podcast, the NIL money. So you want to tell that story about, I heard the same story last week, the Michigan, was it Michigan guy? Yeah. Uh, Hunter Dickinson. I think it was an article uh, maybe in ESPN a few months ago, and he was kind of quoted as saying that at Michigan he was making less than six figures, and at Kansas, you know, the NIL money had a had an impact on where he decided to go play, you know, his, uh, his graduate year. And that's a real big reality. I know I had a, a chance to, to transfer to a D1 AA school, after my uh, freshman year and you know I did not do it but if they offered me any amount of money I would have been there in a heartbeat because how can you say no to money yeah I mean I, I don't know where all the money falls I think a one double a school I don't think you would get that money I don't even know if you get money at that I think the money more comes with the higher level schools but yes the ability to be able to go from making no money i mean in the in the baseball world right now there's a kid that is transferring from an unnamed mid-major university and he's transferring to 
Texas A&M. I can't say an unnamed. I guess I could have said an unnamed P5 university. Anyways, he's getting, um, I think, 50 or 60 grand to play for a year and free school. And the school that he's at, they pay whatever, you know, 65% and no money. And when you look at that, $60,000 is you're starting to look at late round draft pick money. So this kid is going to transfer and get almost as much and get the same amount of money as a kid who actually gets drafted. So I think it's mid-majors, it helps them. It's a good way you perform at that level. It bumps you up and you could, I mean, that's good cash. That's not bad. No, that's uh, that's really good cash. I mean, if you also kind of have the chance to go back to school, get a degree or whatnot, whatever you want to do, uh, and you're still making the same amount of money as you would have made if you were a late draft pick, I mean, that's kind of a, you can still go get drafted and make money again. And get school paid for. So, I mean, we know, I mean, you know, I'm an anti-university criminal racket. The, I mean, the which is part of the reason why I work so hard to help these kids not pay full price to go to college. Um, so it helps the financial racket that's going on. And we, and their money, they get to put in their pocket and take from the uh, super rich people that are going there. So uh, not to shit on super rich people, but I don't know too many. No offense. You're not worried about me. <laughs> Anyways, you're super rich. You're on your boat. I'm in my, I'm in my, I'm in Poppy and Cinny's room that's been taken over, uh, aka my office. Now it's multiple dog crates, uh, and kicking them with my feet. So, uh, good for, good for transfer portal, all of those things. When you have the right kid that works hard, it's it's going to create more opportunities for them. And the one thing we didn't go over. With Tommy is, you know, now, oh, I guess we did a little bit, but being able to play, let's say you go somewhere like, I can't, I'm trying to think of a name of a kid that I don't have at the school right now, Sacred Heart University, and you're a dominant baseball player, but your ability to get looked at is minimal because of the the level that you play. You're basically an armpit D1 school in the Northeast, so unless you're just absolutely elite, it's harder to find you. you. You just hit the old transfer portal, zip right into something like UConn or a P5 school, and it could be the difference between you being seen to be able to make it or, you know, not make it. But it gives you that opportunity. You're going to play against higher-level talent that's really going to showcase you more and put yourself in a position to get seen to potentially get drafted. So those are all the things, the good things Yay, Transfer Portal. Now, all my people that listen to my podcast and are Transfer Portal haters, sorry. Uh, <clears throat> you're just minorly better because you can't do it, and that's okay. But what I was explaining to one of my anti-Transfer Portals, because I called him up and I'm like, we'll leave the name nameless. And, you know, we just share each other's lives and what's going on. And he's like, fuck the Transfer Portal, that's bullshit, you're soft as baby poo. And I was like, hey, man, I'm like, I'm in a box every day working with these people. And this means that I am at least doing an average job at my job. Because if I've trained somebody for three years and they've 
move to the higher level. I would like to think that their performance has been enhanced to some capacity, which hopefully I had a couple percent to do with that, so don't piss in my Cheerios when something good happens to me. So, And he's like, yeah, yeah, I get it. So, But speaking of old school, the problem is, well, it, it's um, kind of old school. So if you take... If you took my career out of it, I would be against it. You? Well, you're not in it, so you can tell me. What do you think? Now, because, like, there's the, yes, it's helping our NES athletes, and it's also hurting them, which we'll go into in the, neg the, in the negative component, which would be starting now, but what's your take on Transfer Portal, Dante? Not working NES in. You're just a dude th in life. Yeah, just a dude. Um, so, I kind of like it, but I also understand some of the negative aspects of it. Because I'm all for athletes getting paid, especially at the college level. Because one, it always has happened at big time programs. That's just the reality of life. You know, you can watch 30 for 30 documentaries on it. But now it's kind of... I think getting kind of sharing the wealth amongst a lot of other athletes and you know you do put your body on the line and I think in a way you're making so much money for the university at, at some points you deserve to get a little bit of piece of that um, also at the at the same time I remember the tournament uh, not this recent one but two years ago when St. Peter's made that run and then you look at the team this year and it's just completely different. And I understand, like, their coach leaves and the players should be able to leave too and stuff. But at the same time, that's a, a group of 15 guys or so. They make a run, uh, and they're all just kind of gone the next year for the most part of it. And you, you kind of lose that special team aspect sometimes, I feel like. So you don't really have the opportunity or when, when it, you do have a team that comes around and they stay together for a few years and they, they win a lot, I think that's going to be a lot a lot special or more special, proper grammar, than a team that kind of just shows up, you know, with a bunch of transfers, wins it once, and then, you know, they're, they're, they just never make it back. But if they're able to do it consistently, that you know, kudos. I don't watch college sports enough to know this, but – or if the transfer portal has been around enough for it to impact it. But is it – because we've been getting the de the decrease in teams staying together for four years thing. That's not a, like, this past couple year thing. People have been breaking apart, I mean, especially in basketball. You know, the one and done, two years and done, where they just try and get your Anthony Davises and all you know, the projected first-rounders and get a couple of them on the team – is the quality of product going down in, we'll say, college football, college basketball, because you watch more of that, is it better quality? Or the only thing you're losing is the four years of, like, Duke in the 90s, early 90s, where you got to watch a team kind of make it through four years No, I, I think for I think for college basketball, it's definitely made it, a bit like better i think the the quality of the game they're more like the tournament i thought was a lot more interesting and you have you know better players on on more teams i guess because you can 
add pieces and that's kind of what UConn did when you know they added a few transfer pieces to their title run and that you know they showed up big in the tournament for for college football I mean Georgia's just been so dominant and stuff I mean it's I I'm sure they get some transfers in I'm sure they get transfers out I don't pay too much attention to college football because I'm really into to the NFL um, but, like, I mean, I'll watch a few games and stuff. I just don't know that much, you know, to be honest with you about the, the transfer portal in college football. Yeah, another thing that annoys me is the take my ball and go somewhere else mentality that, well, I'll give you a, there's an unnamed female basketball player in the Northeast who committed to a university. She went there as a freshman and played and got meaningful minutes, transferred, to another school in year two got less minutes and and it was a worse quality school then her third year transferred again she's in her third school in three years and to me i mean what's a little shocking to me is like this girl obviously she's going to transfer again <laughs> so just because her record of every year i'm sure she's going to get hurt too and it's going to add Maybe she's got a COVID year, and now that's over. Um, but it's like, who? Why would you want that trans? Somebody who's transferred every year. The, doesn't that kind of show? I guess if you only need them for a year, but are you? Go, they're not the second place that took that athlete. They weren't thinking like, oh, we need a one-year rental. I don't think they're. Th- she's young. So why why are these schools even taking? You know, that's annoying. The multi-trans, I'm going to transfer, transfer, transfer. And that literally allows kids, you could theoretically jump every year and go to a different school. That's a big pain in the ass. Yeah, I hate those kids that transfer to like four schools in like three years. Well, I'm saying college. You did that in high school. You know, I, I I was just inside so many schools. You stayed at the same college. All four years, when if the transfer portal was available, it would have been way easier for you to get out your last year, so you wouldn't have had all your quarterback controversies. So the transfer portal could, could ugh, the transfer portal could have helped you, buddy. I mean, I I don't think I had any quarterback controversies. You know, ACL tears happen. It is what it is. Uh. <laughs> All right, I didn't, so, I didn't word it right. No, it's it's all good. Um, but, yeah, I think that's going to kind of wrap it up for the the transfer portal topic. Uh, I've been really struggling with those two words, transfer portal, the entire time before we started this podcast. Um, do you have any last kind of thoughts, any other thing you want to throw in there? Uh, Any more hate? It has nothing to do with the transfer portal or hate on you. But I did call you buddy, and I have a random. You did. I have a I have a random question for you. So Koo's pitching Dicky. He did a post months months ago, or maybe we had a phone conversation about it. But he said he hated when when people would call him buddy or pal, and and I was like, I don't know, I don't know what I call people. And then I was at work on Saturday, and one of the kids, I was like, hey, thanks. I don't know. It was one of, it was pool, which doesn't mean anything to you. He's a basketball player going to Salve. 
And he was sitting there, I asked him to do something, and I'm like, thanks, buddy. And he's like, yo, don't call me fucking buddy. <laughs> so my question is, people really... I forgot what Dickie said as far as there was like four different ones. There's buddy, there's pal. I'm trying to think of the most insulting ones that apparently no one likes. No, so, uh, so I have a few thoughts on it. One, my high school coach at KO, the fourth school and final school that I went to, uh, used to call everybody buddy. He would just walk out. He'd be like, hey, buddy. So from a, a early age, I was conditioned to be called buddy. The uh, other thing is, two, all of my dog's middle names are Buddy Kid. So uh, take that as for what you will. Uh, the like third thing is... I'm pretty sure a lot of that is just a South Park bit. And it's like they had a Canadian episode where it's like they call each other buddy. And it's like, you're not my buddy, guy. It's like, you're not my guy, friend. You're not my friend, like, buddy. And it's the whole thing. So I think it's like guy. I think it's buddy, like pal, friend, and maybe guy. Those could be the four. I have no idea, though. But I personally, I don't care. But also, you, that that was a pretty, pretty harsh buddy you threw in there. Yeah, I guess it could the tone that you use it. I mean, the real answer is I just got to go with bro. Yeah, you can never go wrong with bro. So bro might be timeless, and buddy yeah. apparently eternally pisses people off. Buddies, buddy, no good. Yeah, buddy's a tough one. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're, we're going to kind of put away our questions of the week or every other week for the summer and throughout the summer, we are going to do a new thing. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say a statement of fact, what I believe to be a fact. And that is either going to support me or he's going to tear apart my position. Uh, so the first thing. I'm going to say, because it is the summertime, is that running in the sand is a great workout. You get the ladder out, you do some drills, you get the resistance from the soft sand, gets you faster, more explosive, you know, a little sexy beach workout. It's a great time. Summer's upon us. Sand running is generally bullshit. Uh, the problem is, <clears throat> when you look at because the sponsored ads are coming out for all the, the fast footwork guy. He, he's a summer guy. So you're eventually going to see something on your your reels of the guy that's going a million miles an hour on the ladder. It looks like a dust storm. And then he kind of sprints out of it. And what people don't understand is all that, do, you know, all he does all day is that. <laughs> so there are pre-programmed movements that he has. I mean, look, the guy's athletic because... He's athletic, um, but he's practicing all these things. That's all he does all day. And then people look at that and they'd be like, oh, yeah, I got to get work done. It looks good. It's, there's nothing better for Graham video than, you know, some fast feet in the sand doing footwork bullshit. But the reality of the situation, most people have imbalances. When you go on to sand, your imbalances get magnified. So if you if you have femoral internal rotation of the hip and you're sprinting on sa uneven sand, that is going to magnify um, 
the imbalances, which is going to can cause joint issues and therefore injury. So when I look, when I was at IMG for two years, we did sand workouts. They have a place, but the problem is no one's doing them the right way. So a regeneration week, CNS restimulation, um, beach workouts are good, but also we're, you know, we're warming up and we're, we're, we're the movements that we're doing. It's limited volume. Um, it's more for recovery, um, single leg balance stabilization, core activation. Um, if you do it low level, it can help with some ankle strengthening. And they can, so you can have an injury prevention component to it if it's done the right way. And you can teach some basic movements, but you don't see any of this calm, rational beach workout on the gram story. You see chaos. So... Um, if you are part of the, whatever, 15% of the population, 8.5 out of 10 people that come through my door have a good amount of imbalances. If you're one of that 15% and you're super smart and you have a great athletic performance coach and the timing is right and the, 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 the exercises and progressions that you're using are safe considering eventually, you know, you're going to do the first one. It's going to be the first time anybody's ever ran on sand. And if you've never done them before, it's going to be the first time that you're taking someone through. So are you doing them yourself first? Are you practicing them with your coaches? Are you beta testing like, oh, we should do that, shouldn't do that? If you're going through all these checks and balances that no one goes through, uh, uh, sand workouts are, are great. But no one's doing it that way. Therefore, they are bullshit. There you go. Yeah, before I met you, I, I, did, I did a lot of the bullshit. So... Uh, yeah, at least uh, now people know it's not great. You don't want to be running in the sand. Not a great time. But I think that's going to do it for this episode of the NES Experience. Again, thanks for tuning in, and we will see you guys in two weeks. Psst.